Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Nothing About You Says Computer Technology, a podcast about cybersecurity and data privacy viewed through the lens of diverse voices. Today we'll be talking about cybersecurity in the news, and we also have some Protect Your Neck news. Next, we'll discuss the White House's AI Bill of Rights. Then finally, we'll be handing out a cybersecurity award. I'm your host, Anthony, a cybersecurity, data privacy, and regulatory attorney based in Oklahoma City. While I am a lawyer, I am not your lawyer, and this podcast should not be considered legal advice. Instead, think of this as a conversation between friends. But if you need legal advice, please, please, please find a local attorney that can help you. So let's turn our attention to some news stories. Our first story comes from the Washington Post. Former Uber security chief was found guilty of obstruction of justice and actively hiding a felony after authorizing payments to hackers behind a 2016 breach of Uber. In 2016, the FTC was investigating Uber over an alleged breach of its online system. During the FTC's investigation, Mr. Sullivan learned of a new breach that affected Uber accounts of over 57 million riders and drivers. This case is believed to be the first time a company's executive faced criminal prosecution over a hack. But the facts of this case make some believe that it won't impact cybersecurity professionals. Uber was under investigation by the FTC. Federal prosecutors argued that Mr. Sullivan knew that revealing the new hack would extend the FTC's investigation and hurt his reputation. Most companies are not under investigation by the FTC. So as a result, their security head could not be facing a situation where they would be prosecuted for obstruction of justice. Common Spirit Health, one of the largest U.S. hospital chains, was impacted by a cybersecurity incident. The chain has over 40 hospitals and more than 1,000 care centers in 21 states. The incident impacted facilities in multiple states, causing patients to be diverted to other hospitals, causing some systems to be shut down, and causing patients to have to reschedule appointments. While Common Spirit has not provided all of the details regarding what happened, experts are pointing out that this healthcare group is most likely a victim of a ransomware attack. According to the Washington Post, facilities in Iowa, Nebraska, Tennessee, and Washington State were impacted. Our next story comes from the Associated Press. The founder and CEO of a Michigan election software company was arrested. Prosecutors are alleging that the CEO, Eugene Yu, stole personal information of hundreds of Los Angeles County poll workers. Michigan prosecutors will be trying to extradite Mr. Yu to California. Mr. Yu's company was awarded a five-year contract in 2020 with L.A. County to provide software to track election worker schedules, provide training, conduct payroll, and to communicate with these workers. As part of this contract, the company was required to keep all of its data in the United States and only provide access to this information to U.S. citizens and permanent residents. However, the district attorney's office is alleging that Mr. Yu and his company stored its information on servers in China. Now, another wrinkle to this case is that the company has long been accused by those who believe that there was widespread voter fraud in the 2020 presidential elections of tampering with election integrity. Our last story is a pretty interesting one. 
out of the state of Colorado after almost a million dollars worth of bitcoins was allegedly stolen from a Boulder man, he decided to sue his alleged hackers. The plaintiff has alleged that hackers damaged and stole his property in Colorado when they installed malware on his computer. But the accused cyber criminals are based in the United Kingdom and are arguing that the court does not have jurisdiction. So what exactly is jurisdiction? In its simplest terms, jurisdiction is the power of the court to decide a case. Now, to have personal jurisdiction to decide a case, the defendants, in this case, our accused thieves, must have minimum contacts with the place where the court sits. For this case, it would mean the state of Colorado. The defendants are disputing the court's jurisdiction over them because they are residents of the United Kingdom, and they are arguing that they don't have any connections to the state of Colorado. And in fact, they've never stepped a foot in the state. Now, this case is significant for two reasons. First, it illustrates the difficulty in prosecuting, or in this case, suing, people responsible for alleged breaches and other cybersecurity incidences. This is because a defendant can be anywhere in the world, a different state, or even a different country. But second, could this be the new path of holding alleged hackers accountable for thefts? Not just criminal prosecutions, but also suing in a civil lawsuit. We also have some Protect Your Neck news. During this segment, we will be talking about current scams you should be aware of and other vulnerabilities that you need to address. Think of this as Patch Tuesday and a cybersecurity incident report rolled all into one. According to Bloomberg, Criminals are using a business email compromise scam to trick homebuyers into wiring their damn payment to them. The scammer sent emails to buyers pretending to be either the title company or an attorney that's helping them with the purchase, asking them to wire their down payments. The scammers play on the buyer's eagerness to close on a purchase of their home. The emails sent to buyers often contain mistakes and typos that who are so worried about not missing out on being able to purchase a home, often overlook. It's important that we remember to take our time to review emails that we receive before clicking any links or sending any wires. Just taking a little bit of extra time, taking a breath, can protect you. So please, please, please stay safe out there. Or as the Wu-Tang Clan tells us, watch your step, kid, and protect your neck. So now on to our main story. The White House released a set of guidelines referred to as the AI Bill of Rights. The goal of this non-binding regulation is to encourage companies to make and deploy artificial intelligence more responsibly and limit AI-based surveillance. There are five principles that are outlined in this Bill of Rights. And the White House hopes will be a guide for the design, use, and deployment of automated systems to protect the rights of the American public. So what are these five principles? First, people should be protected from systems deemed unsafe or ineffective. Next, people shouldn't be discriminated against via algorithms and that AI-driven systems should be made and used in an equitable way. The third principle is that people should be kept safe from abusive data practices by safeguards built into AI systems and have control over how data about them is actually used. 
The fourth principle is that people should be aware of when an automated system is in use and be aware of how it could affect them. Finally, people should be able to opt out of such systems and get help from a person instead of just a computer. While this is non-binding, it's helpful because there are not many laws that regulate the use of AI in the U.S. But this could be the first step. Looking to our neighbors in the North, this year Canada passed a federal AI regulation called the Artificial Intelligence and Data Act. A number of the principles from the U.S. Bill of Rights are found in this law. For instance, the Canadian law requires businesses to publish a plain language description on a website describing how the system is or is intended to be used. While we only have guidelines now, it won't be surprising if some of these principles become the framework for an actual law. Our final segment today is our cybersecurity awards. This week, I have one award that I want to hand out, and it's the Master P No Limit Records Award. Master P was a marketing genius and used that skill to sell millions and millions of records and create an entertainment empire. He was able to do this by understanding his target audience, focusing on putting the lead single, the song that most people have heard already on the radio, at the start of the album, understanding that his audience would not have to wait until the middle or end of an album to listen to something that they were familiar with, and expanding his work from more than just music to TV and film. These skills are all things that can help companies with their cybersecurity awareness program. October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, but sometimes our efforts fall short. So instead, we should be following Masterpiece lead. First, companies have to understand their audience and understand that different groups of employees have different risk and need to hear different things about cybersecurity. Next, you should lead with the most important thing that you want your audience to take away from your training or your cybersecurity email. People should not have to wait until the end of your message to get what you're trying to convey. Finally, there are so many avenues that you can use to spread awareness beyond just a PowerPoint or an email presentation. What about a short video or a podcast? This Cybersecurity Awareness Month, I hope we all take Masterpiece lead and remember that a great program has no limit. Thank you so much for joining us today on Nothing About You Says Computer Technology. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can also visit the show's website at nothingaboutyou.com. I'm your host, Anthony, and I'll see everyone next week.